Welcome to the Courtside Hoots podcast, back again with the three amigos, our last podcast before we jump on the big birds and head across the ocean to Japan, to the island of Okinawa, to watch the Boomers start their World Cup campaign. Now, we're just off the back of the three games at Rod Labor Arena, um, Boomers versus the World. Now, we had um, some mixed results there. We won two and lost one, so we took care of Venezuela quite comfortably in game one. Brazil then managed to take the chocolates in the game two by four points, and then we did a number on the South Sudan in the third game. Um, now, the big, big news outside of the loss to Brazil was the injury to Jock Landale in the third game has hurt his ankle and will not be making the trip over to Japan for the World Cup, which is very, very disappointing. We spoke on the last pod, he was my most most important player to the Boomers, given the lack of size that we have on the front line. So that is a huge blow for the Boomers. What do we what do we make of Jock's injury? Do we think we're going to be able to find a replacement for him to fill that void? Or is this something that's um, really going to hurt our chances of going all the way in Japan? Red, we'll start with you. Small ball lineups. Let's roll with it. Yeah. Like, I think you'll... You'll see. You'll probably still see Nick K start at the four, but I reckon he'll play a lot of five. Like he'll he'll also yeah. slide behind Duop, who will probably start at the five into that role. And then Gorge basically said he likes having Green start and Tease coming off the bench. So Tease will obviously play. I'd imagine some small ball four as well. Um, it's just funny how we were, we were. There was so much talk about who's going to be the final player cut, and an injury has determined. <laughs> Mm. That so, uh, and Gorge basically said it was going to be white. White was going to be cut. So yep. it'd be it'd be having mixed feelings about. I'm glad I'm in, but also it's because someone got injured. Like, true, sure, that's right. So we're just going to have to embrace that that small ball. Try to try to make it work. Um, obviously, like you said, buckets. He was your pick as as most important player, and particularly on that de- defensive end, anchoring that defense. He's sort of the only guy who is a defensive. I mean, he can score, but he's he's got sort of that IQ on the defensive end. Duop is not – he's a big guy, but he's not a defensive-minded big guy. You know, he's more a, a pick-and-roll, um, you know, scoring sort of big fella. Uh, that's why I think Nick K is going to be huge. Um, and then just trying to play – I mean, you probably even see Joe Ingles play some small ball four as well. Like, it's going to be a bit more creative without, without Jock there and against some of those big European – Teams is where it's going to be really interesting to see um, how we manage. And obviously, we can't shoot the ball like we did on the other end. Otherwise, mm. we will have no chance. <laughs> yeah, you're spot on there, aren't you? Tell us, what are your thoughts? Um, I agree. I think it's going to make it tough. Um, I mean, I think Australia's really – their only option is small ball, really, because, I mean, Jop Reith is um, – he's solid, but I don't know if he's someone who you're going to chuck 35 minutes into in a FIBA game. Um, I think the only thing that we like, we, we just lack height. And I think that, you know, I know that Gorge has come out saying that, you know, basically, yeah, Jack White's in and we're just not going to make any changes. But I, I don't know, I kind of feel like like they just need to bring in someone with height. Like Thon Maker, I know that he is not a, he's not a, a champion by any means, but he's just, he's tall and he's someone you can stick into the middle of a zone and, um, at least rack up some fouls on and that kind of stuff. I just, I just think we might be a little bit too small um, in comparison to, you know, when we come up into the, presuming we make the finals, which I think we will, when we come up against like 
you know, France and we come up against Rudy Gobert, like there's just no one, no one that, that in our team that can really put in minutes on those really big centres, um, you know, that, that potential will be there at the end of the World Cup. So, you know, I think that Landau's a big, big out for us. And I think it was you last pod that was saying that you think he's probably the um, the most important player to our to our run. So, um, and I do think he's he was a pretty pretty big piece. But um, you know, you have to adapt, and you have to you know you have to go through adversity, and you have to um, change your game style and adapt. And that's what they're going to have to do. And um, it'd be good to see Boomers uh, with the gold medal at the end of it all, even after this injury. So that'll be nice to see. Yeah, that's right. I think this is where um, Gorge is going to earn his paycheck, isn't it? Like when these kind of things happen, this is where you have to get creative. You have to work out different ways to be able to win. Okay, so your plan A is gone. So now you need to work out what's plan B, plan C, plan D. And certainly against those teams with big guys like your France, you can't. When we, we just don't have the horses to go toe-to-toe with them, so you're not going to be able to fight fire with fire. You're going to have to figure out, okay, yes, they're going to have an advantage on this side of it with their height, so how do we counter that? So, you know, are we going to give up twos for threes and things like that, okay? If they're big inside, are we going to have to put a lineup that's then going to be able to run them off the floor? You know, where can we get advantages knowing that we can't just expect to go and beat them at their own game. So as I said, this is where the coach and the players themselves are going to really, we're going to find out, are they able to adapt? Because there are things you can do, especially in the European game, um, to be able to counter this sort of thing. We talk a lot about how the zone can counteract a lot of um, things that teams try to do, um, but also the just the simple basics of, you know, nobody's going to be able to miss assignments, boxing out and things of that mm. nature. Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure that you don't just get killed on the on the offensive and the defensive glass. So um, it's exciting to see. There's always beauty in the adversity of what happens. Um, every great story has things like this happen. Um, so, yeah, let's see. What, what can the Boomers do now that one of their key pieces are gone? Um, the only thing that really worries me is the American team because I felt like that's why Jock was so important that we could counteract what they do the American team are going to play. Small ball, try to shoot you and run you out of the gym. We're going to have to now almost play a similar style and try to beat them at their same game because we don't have the ability to hurt them on the inside like we would have been able to with Jock. So that, that's my biggest worry, um, but it's going to be exciting to see what they can do. Is there any concern over Paddy Mills and his shooting? Certainly didn't shoot the um, percentage he normally would. Are we, are we worried about Paddy? Paddy Mills and his shooting slump. I I think that I think people forget Paddy Mills. I think was he thirty five or something like that. He's 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 getting getting older. I mean, I, he's I don't a young thirty five. A young thirty five. He, he's a young thirty five, <laughs> and I think I think he's still um, one of the, like one of the better players on the team. Um, but I think we probably have to curb our expectations of of Paddy um, a little bit. I think that you know to to think that he's going to capture you know, the form that he had four years ago, you know, at at an Olympics where we won a a um a bronze medal. Rose um, gold. Rose gold. Um <laughs> I think that, that 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 maybe he's not at that level yet, but I mean who knows? We know that, you know, Paddy Mills is basically Michael Jordan in FIBA. So um, you know, we'll wait to see when the when the real contest starts. Um and I think that the, the exhibition games have showed that 
you know, we probably really need, um, you know, Josh Giddy to be diming. We actually need those role players to be playing their role like um, Matisse Thibel, you know, against Sudan was, you know, cashing threes and um, everyone was actually contributing to their role. And I think that that's the only way we're going to win FIBA. Like it has to be, like for Australia, it's going to be a team game. I don't think it's going to be one person taking the team on their shoulders and, and having a 35-point effort like what Paddy Mills has probably done in the past in the Olympics. I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a team effort. So, I mean, I'm not worried about his shooting. I mean, he'll he'll capture the shooting and he'll get used to it and, you know, but I, I don't think we're... I don't know if we're going to get the same Paddy Mills we we had at the Olympics. That's that's my only my only thing. I'm not worried at all. Not at all. The the difference for Paddy coming into this tournament was he hadn't played in so long. He was sitting on that Brooklyn bench barely playing. So he's actually not in game the game repetition side of things compared to like everyone was saying oh he's, he'll be well rested because he hasn't been playing, but you also lose just a bit of that feel and touch and things like that. Um, so he was sitting on Brooklyn's bench doing next to nothing. Um, uh, so I, I think he's just trying to find a bit of rhythm, a bit of routine. I thought he was forcing a little bit. I think that's also a sign of just not having the timing and things like that, right? Um, but in terms of in terms of him performing and and um, finding that that range, because we all know that his shooting ability is is um, proven. Um, I'm not at all concerned about that, and I think I think you could say that about a number of the guys uh, who just didn't shoot the ball that well in those exhibition games, um, that law of averages over time, things will sort themselves out. What what obviously is the counter to that is there isn't a lot of time. You've got to go in and start start winning games straight away because you drop one or two of those first couple and all of a sudden you're then looking at finishing second in your, in your pool potentially and what does that mean and all those sorts of things. So that's the only downside. But look, they've still got, um, I think, another two. I know they've at least got one, if not two more, trial games um, yeah. before. they're going to play one when they land in Tokyo and then they've got another yeah. one once they get to Okinawa. I yeah. Think, I think they play They play France is actually one of them, I'm pretty sure. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the other thing, and I agree with Talks' point, is it's, it's, it's got to be more by committee, not just um, because Paddy's ageing, but because of what's happened to Jock. So that whole, you were talking about bucket shifting things and trying to figure out what works. I think by committee is is um, something they're going to have to do because the teams will be looking at Paddy a lot more than they even have in the past and going, someone else beat us, you know. They're not going to be able to stop Giddy. He's going to do his thing. Mm. So it's like, okay, I'll stop. I'll, if, if Giddy's going to go and get 20 plus and 10 plus a, a night, that's going to happen. If I can stop Paddy from getting 20 plus as well, all of a sudden, you know, it's got to be Green or it's got to be Matisse or, you know, um, Duop or Joey or thought, you know something like that. Who's got to then find that those additional points? Um, because we're going to have to score even a little bit more now because we're not going to be as good defensively as we would have been with Jo. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm I'm a bit same as you, Reg, in terms of not worried about shooting because whenever I look at shooters. Um, yeah, you always see the ones that have poor form and you think, and they sort of say, well, as long as it goes in, it's fine. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But once you hit a slump, what have you got to fall back on? Whereas um, someone like Paddy Mills, the form is great. So you can fall back on that the form is great. So the law of averages say that that's eventually going to regress to the mean. And he puts in the work. He doesn't cheat the game. You know that he puts in the work in the gym. So eventually it will it will get back to the mean and we'll see the Paddy that we know. Um, and when you put in that work, generally luck is is on your on your side. So 
I think he'll work his way way into it. Um, I think we'll see the best of Paddy Mills once we get to Manila um, versus what we see in those first um, five games in Japan. So not worried at all with him. Um, but it is it is exciting that, you know, we don't just have Paddy Mills and we don't just have Joe Ingle, you know. Um, and part of it could have been playing on home soil because they embrace the boomers' culture so much and wanting to represent their country. They might have been pushing a bit hard knowing that they only had three games at home before they were heading overseas that they really wanted to put on that show for the home fans. Mm. Um, and hopefully now that they jump on the plane and they're getting ready to get down to business – that you know, think they'll relax almost a little bit, and things will start to to flow a bit better. Um, certainly on the offensive side, the defense that they played in that first game, um, that's what they need to hang their hat on. That's what the focus needs to be. Is let's just get that end of the court right. If we play good enough on that side, then you know, even if we aren't quite clicking on the offensive side straight away we're stopping enough that we're still going to win those games because we're defending so well. I think if they go in with the mindset thinking that we our offense needs to click for us to win, that's when the pressure starts to mount. So just hang your hat on the defensive side and they should be able to take care of um, the teams in their pool. Um, Germany's really the only one there that, that they're going to have to play fairly well offensively and defensively, but as long as the defense is good against Finland and Japan, I think they'll be able to take care of them even at a lower offensive output the good thing is and he does he does cop criticism for this but the good thing is that gorge is one of those defensive minded coaches that he puts so much emphasis into that like i've i've heard him talk um like when he was coaching the hawks over here in the nbl and and that he he always the first thing he looks at the stat sheet at the end of the game is um turnovers rebounds and free throws and he says if you win two of those three you're probably going to win the game if you win all three you almost certainly win the game and so he's like not worried about all the other stuff that goes around that. It's rebounding the ball, you know, stopping second chance opportunities, cutting down your turnovers, making sure you don't have more turnovers and winning the free throw count. You do those things and you'll be pretty, pretty sweet. Um, and that's probably an advantage over the likes of someone like Steve Kerr, who's obviously Team USA's coach now, who we know likes to play a we will score more points than the opposition style basketball. He doesn't have Draymond Green out there with him you know, at the moment. I know he's got the reigned defensive player of the year. Yeah, he's got Draymond Triple J. But it's, it's still it's a very different uh, style, as we know, in, in FIBA basketball. Um, and they're going to hang their hat on trying and score more points because that's what USA always does in these tournaments. Um, so you're right. If we can be that hard-nosed, keep teams to below 100 for sure and, and preferably, you know, sort of 20 points a quarter, 25 points a quarter type stuff, um, then we've just got to make sure we can contribute on the other end to to take care of business. I have a question in terms of um, three point shooting for Australia. Like out of a grade like A, B, C, D, E, F, what would you rate Australia's three point shooting in this FIBA team? I wouldn't put it higher than a B. Yeah, I'd say B. Hmm. I think that's you've sort of got Paddy and Gould. As pure and, and Joe, you probably put in there as as pure knockdown forty plus percent three point shooters. But then once you start going down, then you you guys that sort of like Matisse, we know shot well in the last game, but they're they're street guys. So yeah, they they can get on rolls and they can hit, but they're not your consistent forty plus from percentage guys. Yeah, 
What I, I think what'll be really important is when guys like Duop and Nick K get those open looks, knocking them down. Like that'll be huge because they're going to get them for mm. sure. When they mm. when these teams play zones and um, or if we're trying to if we're trying to trying to play a game to bring the the big away from the rim, that's where they you've seen Duop get them in those games. You saw Nick K get a few in the corners. Mm. Like they're the guys who are really going to have to shoot a good percentage because you're right. Like it's the rest of those guys you can somewhat rely upon to just do it. Mm. It's those other guys that when they get those open looks, you just gotta take advantage of. Yeah. And yeah. same with Josh Green, who can be very streaky. Like he could be a huge X factor for this team if, if, mm. if what Gorgeous saying is gonna start him at the three on both ends of the court. He could be quite quite damaging. Yeah, I think I think for me that like we know that basketball these days is played a lot more behind the three point line. Not so much I mean in FIBA. Less in FIBA. But, yeah, less but in still, FIBA. But still, like in in a lot of the um, exhibition games, I know they're in the exhibition games, but um, even some of the highlights from watching the US and the Canadian teams and that, like they've still got some pretty decent shooters who are still putting up some good clips behind three. And I just wonder if, you know, like that can sometimes be the difference of, you know, if you if you've got a team that's shooting 40 or, you know, 42% from the three-point line, then Australia shoots, that you know, 32 or 33 or... 36 well then there's probably an extra two or three or four more points that um the opposition are getting over us in just in their three point made um and i agree That's with you Reg. against brazil like yeah they couldn't um, miss brazil like they could not miss yeah i think they shot 40 percent on 38 attempts or something and yeah. like you, you you win the three point count by nearly 10 that's that's hard to that's 30 points like that's yeah. hard to find yeah. From the free throw line or you know by rebounding well like you can't be that far behind either so you're no. spot on in that yeah, so we we absolutely have to like our three point. We have, we have to make sure we have good set plays to our good shooters, or some of those shooters that are not as reliable need to have you know a good two two or three week stretch where they can actually knock down some shots. Because I think that's to me that's the only glaring issue um, with Australia um, that that I've got. But again, you know, we've we've also got X factors like Paddy Mills and Josh Giddy and players that can also take over the games in, in different ways. So, you know, that's that's very exciting for us. So as it, as it stands, as of tonight, the final roster heading over to Japan is made up of Xavier Cooks from the Washington Wizards, Dyson Daniels of the New Orleans Pelicans, Dante Exum now with the Dallas Mavericks. Great to have him back in the NBA. Josh Giddy of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Chris Goulding, Melbourne United. Josh Green, another Dallas Maverick. Joe Ingles, Orlando Magic. Nick Kay was going to be Jock, but we know what's happened there. Paddy Mills, who's now with the Atlanta Hawks. Duop Reef, Matisse Thibel, Paul and Trailblazers, and Jack White, another Oklahoma City Thunder teammate of Josh Giddy. That is the 12-man squad heading over to Japan to hopefully bring home a gold medal to go with our rose gold from the Tokyo Olympics. You know what's crazy about that too? I read this today. If, if Goulding was the final cut, it would be the first time Australia has ever not had one NBL player in the oh, squad. Wow. That's crazy, like, isn't it? That's how, that's how internationally our team is now. You know, because yep. Duop's been playing overseas and Nick Kay plays overseas. And they're not in the NBA, yep. but they're playing in you know, these European competitions. Yes. Just whereas, nuts. Yeah. That... Whereas we were pretty much all NBL at best um, going, going only 
Yeah, you only only have to go back to 2008, I reckon, to have a look around 2014 that went to Athens to see how different the squad is and how much basketball has grown um, in Australia, which is very exciting. So um, as we've said, if you want to follow on the journey, Courtside Hoops Dodd podcast is the Instagram handle. Um, We'll be posting updates on there um, as we go through our trips um, and we'll be doing the Boomers beers after each game just reviewing um what happens after each of the games um while we're going through the trip so jump on there give us a follow if you want to come along for the journey with us to world cup glory we hope you enjoyed this episode of the courtside hoops podcast please follow us wherever you listen to our podcasts and give our instagram page a follow as well uh, at courtsidehoops.podcast and as always keep sending those mailbag questions in 